Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 10th of May, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are reading from Bill's story, and we are on page 12. And we will start with the paragraph... Uh, The second paragraph, my friend suggested what then seemed. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Marge, 12 Traditions, Lisa, and then Sharon, Kim, Karen, and Hoodie. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday the 9th of May, is 4423. 4423. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Marge to please read the 12 steps. Star one to unmute, Marge. Sorry about that. My phone was a little weird. Um, Marge from Massachusetts. Um, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you, Marge. I will now ask Lisa to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Lisa, recovered in South Jersey. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book, and we are in the chapter of Bill's story, and we are on page 12, and we are starting with the second paragraph that begins, My friends suggested what then seemed. And I will ask Sharon if you will read that paragraph and the next paragraph, please.
Good morning. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, and welcome to all on the phone. My friend suggested that what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. Wow. Here it is. This is the moment. If there was any moment that marked the 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 foundation upon which the Alcoholics Anonymous stands. It is this moment. This is huge. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? It is this statement that allowed Bill to accept this program of recovery. Because until then, he was resisting, he was intellectualizing it, he was thinking about, well, can I trust God? Who is this God? How can God help me? But when Evie said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? All of a sudden, Bill had no resistance because it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about those people and their ideas and what they want me to do. It was all about him. It was from him. What? Who do you think God is? You just need a power that's greater than you. That's all you need to recognize and accept in order to do this program. You don't have to accept my religion, you don't even have to accept what I think about uh, who God is or my view or my impression. Who do you think is your higher power? That statement hit Bill hard. It hit him hard because it was a breakthrough. It was a breakthrough moment. It's where it's like God spreading the seas and letting people walk through on dry land. It was that type of moment in the history because it had the impact of saving millions and millions of people's lives because it melted away any resistance that Bill had to receiving the message, and he was the messenger then to bring this message of recovery to a world that was frozen in addiction to our lives, to our personal lives. Here was the moment when the higher power of us all broke through to allow Bill to receive this message of recovery so that then he could bring it to us. And each one of us now has no excuse because we can choose our own conception of God. God doesn't have to have 
the meaning that it has to all of these, to everyone else. Because there's some gods I don't want. There's some religions I don't want anything to do with. And if I have to take that and accept your religion, then I don't want anything you have to offer. I'll stick with my addiction. Because I know this, but now I don't have an excuse. Because I can, can, I can accept anything I want as my higher power. Anything that's higher than me, that's outside of me, that's not me. And that is greater than me. What is it that has the power to open the door for me, to open the door to recovery? And that's exciting. This is good stuff. This is exciting. The sunlight burst in to Bill. Now, he still had to walk through life. He still had to do the next right thing one day at a time. He still had to face reality. But now he had a power that he could hold on to that could get him through one day at a time, one step at a time. And this is exciting and good stuff. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on this? Rose? Go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Monica. This is Rose, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, that statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. Um... As Sharon was talking, I was thinking this here with the second step, that's that's when that's when the possibility of my recovery started. Um as I said I was um an atheist in, in actuality when I came to the program. And um and nothing nothing could get through, so and I was at meetings for almost six months with with uh, just gagging over God and gagging over any of the um any of it in meetings and, and in this book, in the big book. And I I can as as we were talking about this, I know I would not have begun to get the power to recover from compulsive overeating unless unless this happened to me because on my own exactly like we've been reading with Bill's story and he was way more competent and a uh, human being than, than I ever evolved into I would never have been able to stay on a food plan a day at a time uh, as the beginning point to work the 12 steps never and I I remember the day and the night, um, uh, the the day and the year that this happened to me. And there was a shift, unbeknownst to me, but also known, because that is really when the beginning of my recovery started. That opened up a door that had been locked closed, um, like Sharon mentioned, you know, with the religious differences and the world and God and evil and the whole the whole McGill there 
that that kept me separated and my head filled with a million intellectual arguments that there couldn't be any god and that when that shift took place when that when that when that foot got in my door that opened up my mind um of of coming to believe in a god that i could believe in without any connection to anything else that is when the the um compulsive overeating recovery began for me and for me there never would have been a recovery if that hadn't happened there would have been no way for me to go around coming to believe in a power greater than myself thank you with that i pass thank you rose would anyone else like to comment on this marjorie hi this is melanie i heard marjorie and then melanie this is marjorie and i am a recovered food addict Bill describes the emotional reaction that he had to Ebby's question. It hit me hard. When I read that, it hits me hard. It is as if somebody is saying to me, Marjorie, what do you think? Marjorie, you've listened to what this person and that person and that other person have said all your life. Now, what do you think? That hits me hard because nobody had ever asked me what I thought about anything. And there I was in OA in my mid-20s for the very first time, and somebody was telling me that this whole idea of God or a higher power was something I could determine, that I could explore and I could discover and and I could satisfy my curiosity because I was very curious about anything to do with God. It was it was like letting me out of the cage. What do you think, Marjorie? And it took me a long time to come up with some thoughts and I I didn't do it in a vacuum. I listened to people at the meetings. And I tried what they had. And eventually I knew what I thought. But it didn't stop me from moving forward with the program. All I knew was that I didn't have to go along with what I had been thinking, believing, or not believing up to that point. It was freedom. It hit me hard. Thank you for listening. I pass. Thank you, Marjorie. Melanie, go ahead. Hi, thank you. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. And I just wanted to, to to just kind of pull in real quick. Despite despite the living example of my friend, there remained me a vestige of my own prejudice. And so then back down to the question, why don't you choose your own conception? And then when I look at the word conception, I look at the concept idea or to conceive an idea. And that's to, to, to develop a notion. And um, I think that there's a huge broad amount of, of um, uh, I guess just universal leeway in that in that whole thing that probably could have come down upon Bill, considering the idea that in many intenses that he was he was atheist, and how in the world do I compare to that or, or relate to that when I have this notion already preformed about what God is and that it is connected with religion. It's connected with, you know, good and bad, right and wrong, and the things that I could never live up to. 
And so when I, when I use that word God and I've connected it to religion, then the whole thing falls apart until that moment when someone said, develop a notion, develop an idea over your experiences in working the 12 steps. That's how it came to me. And there was no connection. This, this book is spiritual in nature. It's not religious in nature whatsoever. And so that part started to get completely tossed out as never being connected to the religious concept, the God concept. It's now never connected to the spiritual program of recovery. And that for me is when the icy intellectual mountain faded away, melted away, just melted away. And what an awesome thing. And I can imagine sitting down having a conversation with Bill to get even deeper into what his experience was exactly in this sort of idea. I would love to. I don't know that there's any writings, any place that he has uh, put forth that indicates, and maybe there are, I just don't know, that puts forth any more um, uh, information behind this because this is really, really big and I would hate to assume for him in any way, shape, or form that this was a difference between life and death because if I were to have held on to that same notion, concept of God connected to religion that would not shake loose of me, I think I would be dead today since this program is spiritual in nature and nothing else and that I would grow along that line, I had, be, I had to, by the mercy and power of this essence of this spirit in me, had to come to a place where that was completely tossed out in order for Melanie to have the recovered life that I have today. And I cannot explain that in any other way than this, that it has no connection. That is, that the, the, the two are opposing in my experience here in this, in, this, in this place and what has happened to transform a life like mine, for sure. And I just have to wonder if, if Bill were in that same kind of place and in that same kind of way. It wouldn't shake loose of me until, until the two ideas came to be absolutely opposed to each other. And through the process of the step work in my life, a concept, a notion, an idea has developed completely 180 degrees different than that. And I, I can't even begin to tell you to my knees I fall in, in gratitude because of the mercy and within, and within that whole, whole experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, would you read, please? Thanks, Monica. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And this squiggly writing, this squiggly writing, we always got to pay attention. So it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. 
And I think sometimes what happens is we confuse step two and step 11. Step two is just coming to believe. It's being willing to believe. Step 11 is where we're going to feel that conscious contact. And some of us think, well, if we're not feeling that conscious contact in step two, we can't move forward. So what is step two trying to show us? Step two is is trying to show us that we need a higher power. And if we need a higher power, then we are willing to move forward. We're willing to make that beginning. We're willing to move on to step three. So just to give an example, you know, if I move to a new town and my car's not working and it's making weird noises and it's stalling, I have a need. I need to find a mechanic. But I don't know anyone in this town. So I go to a neighbor and I say, listen, this is what I need. I need need my car fixed. I need a reasonable price. I need to know that it's going to be done in a reasonable amount of time. And, And the neighbor goes, you know what? I know Johnny down the street. Johnny down the street's a good mechanic. Why don't you go to him? So I go to Johnny, and Johnny fixes my car, and he charges me a fair price, and he does it in a fair amount of time. So the next time that I need a mechanic, I now have faith because I know Johnny. But in the beginning, all I knew was I needed to get my car fixed because my car didn't work, and I wasn't qualified to fix my car. I'm not a mechanic. Well, I know now in step one, I have an allergy body. I have the obsession of the mind that I am beyond human aid. But I need a higher power. And how am I going to get that higher power? I hear recovered people on the line tell me that there is a higher power out there. I have a book of directions that tells me the exact clear-cut directions of how I can get that. And I make that beginning, and I take those action steps, and I clear away that wreckage of the past. And my experience leads me to step 11 where I have conscious contact. And now I have faith and I can live in steps 10, 11, and 12, and I can rely and depend on that higher power. But that's not where I am now. I just know my car's broken. I just know that I'm unqualified to fix that car, and I'm willing to go out there, and I'm willing to say, I need a mechanic, and I'm going to take the action steps necessary to find that mechanic so that my car can work again. So that's where I'm at now. I know that I'm broken. I have this allergy of the body that will always be there. I will never not have that allergic reaction. And I also know that worse is I have a mind that regardless how long I've had the food down will tell me to go back to that food. So I need a higher power to intercede. I need a higher power to help relieve me of that obsession. So right now, where am I at? It is a matter of being willing to believe and a power greater than myself, and nothing more is required of me to make that beginning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this? This is Paula, may I share? Hi, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service also. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive overeater from New Hampshire. You know, I'm going to scoot right on down to that last line. I saw that growth could start from that point, what was the point? Willingness. You get a seed in your hand, honey, that willingness, you put it in the ground. It ain't going to do any good there. Once it's put in the ground, and then it says, upon a foundation of complete willingness. Now, I noticed that just not willingness he added here. 
he put the word complete. Well, I'm going to think about it. It was put in the ground, complete, total willingness. I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Now, here, another question. Of course I would. And another explanation point. Why could he say that with such conviction? Because of what he saw. What he saw in Ebby. Ebby lived the same life he lived. Thus, could he live now the life that Ebby lived? They're the question for Bill, which will be answered. But he brought his willingness total and complete. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Leia. Go ahead, Leia. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Monica. My name is Leia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. You know, the point, it's just important to know what isn't working. You know, was my way working? No. You know, I had the results of uh, of that. Um, personally, you know, I was standing in uh, a, a, a locked facility with a wristband around my wrist, um, you know, needing needing some serious help, uh, my way wasn't working. My best thinking got me in a rehab. Uh, the point is we can't find a solution that works until we give up on our solutions that aren't working. The disease had beat me to a pulp. The disease had beat me into a state of reasonableness. I was ready to throw in the towel and say, okay, I've tried all my tricks. I've tried whatever I could that was up my sleeve, and nothing is working. This obsession of the mind continues to pummel me. So, again, it was only a matter of being willing. It doesn't necessarily have to be born from, from intellect. For me personally, it was born out of pain that I became willing. Pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change in somebody like me. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. That's all we're doing here is making a beginning. By saying, you know what, my way isn't working, I surrender. I don't know who God is. I don't know where he is. I can't define him. I have no knowledge. But I'm willing to say that my way isn't working, that me playing God is not working. I mean, sometimes we struggle with wanting to understand a power greater than ourselves. But there are many powers greater than ourselves that we don't understand. You know, electricity is a great example that the AA 12 and 12 uses. We don't understand electricity. We don't understand that power. But we use it constantly just by flipping on a switch. So one day, you know, we can come to believe. You know, how do we do that? How do we come to believe? One way we can come to believe is to see or to hear all the people around us whom God has changed. And that's what recovered people offer. Recovered people on this line speak out and say, 
There is a power greater than myself that has revolutionized my life. So believing that a power greater than ourselves, being willing to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity is the foundation. It says here, I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. So that's all we need is a, is a willingness to believe. Because that, that will be the foundation. You don't have to understand it. I mean, for instance, next door to me is a huge construction project going on next door. I mean, initially when they laid the foundation, it didn't appear that much was there. But you know what was there? The beginning was there. The beginning was there. So it's the same way with us in our spiritual development. At first, there isn't much to see. But this coming to believe is the very basis on which all the rest of our spiritual lives is built. There has to be a beginning. That's all that's required is to begin. That's it. You know, don't worry about taking step two. Step two will take you as you embark on this spiritual journey. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this? This is Monica, and I will uh, jump in here. Um, again, like was pointed out, we got squiggly lines here. Very, very important whenever we see those. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. And like Leah just said, we don't have to, we're not being told here you have to understand God. It's saying a matter of being willing to believe that there's a possibility that there is something out there that is greater than me. Because my determination didn't do it. My willpower didn't do it. All my self-knowledge didn't do it. And no one else could do it for me. And they're saying here, there is, you know, come to the conclusion that you're powerless in step one. And step two is another conclusion step that I need a power that's greater than me. They're not telling me I have to understand what this power is. Just I'm, am I willing to believe that there's a possibility of something out there that is greater than I? And these 100 recovered people are saying, yes, there is. It worked for us. And the recovered people on this line are saying, yes, there is. It's worked for us. And it starts with just a willingness to believe. Well, you know, okay, that worked for them. Well, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll start with something here. And it's so important that we begin. We're great at having to try to figure everything out and try to understand it completely. And we don't ever begin. But just having that willingness is a beginning point, and that's what he's saying here. So Bill is seeing that it's possible to get out of the shadow here and to stand in the sunlight. He's willing to try. He's willing to set aside his prejudice, his old ideas, his biases, and try something different. And it all started here with the turning point with Ebby saying to him, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Something very simple, something very basic that you are comfortable with. 
And like wasn't said, this is only step two. It's the conclusion. You will know more and understand more and have a better understanding of what this God is when you get to step 11. And with that, I will pass. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Carolyn. Carolyn, go ahead. I was in a state of being pummeled. I had nowhere else to go. What what else could I do but then to accept that there had to be something else and be willing to give it a try? I had nothing to lose. I lost everything. It was all gone. Where else was I going to go? It, it could be nowhere but up. Either that or it was going to be six feet under. So, you know, why not? Why not? Why not give it a try and check it out? Why not recreate whatever concept I have in my head? Because that sure wasn't working for me. And if somebody else's idea was going to work for me, go for it. But it was just allowing God to tell me that I needed willingness to be willing to change. Because when I dug my heels into the ground and I didn't want to move, nothing else mattered. And I would stand staunch on that idea. You know, one of the things for me is red cabbage. I I have this obsession with I can't touch red cabbage. And I go to any length to make sure it's not in my food. So why wouldn't I be willing to go to any length to find a power greater than myself, to know that there's something greater out there that can help me. Maybe, or maybe not. How do I know if I'm not willing to give it a try? And it's just being willing to try, willing to listen, because my ideas sure weren't working. I needed to listen to somebody else's ideas and grasp on to what they had so that at some point, if it started to work, then I could figure it out from there with whatever higher power I choose to call and whatever I choose to call it. It didn't matter. I just needed to stop somewhere, and I needed to have the willingness. Once I admitted I was powerless over food, it was, so now what? All right, I'm powerless, so now what? Where do I go with this? What do I do with it? I had to have willingness and open-mindedness and allow myself to be guided and trust. It was all about letting go of my will and trusting that somebody else could help me figure this out. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, I mean, um, Karen, Karen, please, would you read? Yes, this is Karen, um, compulsive overeater, and good morning, everyone. Um, Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. And um, I didn't see God. It says I saw and I 
I believe, but I saw people who were recovering. Now, here's how it went. I was in OA for a lot of years, and I would have binges every couple of weeks. And I felt pretty comfortable being there. That just fit in with other people. And me and some others went on a a retreat with an OA retreat. And on the third day of the retreat, we went and had our meal by a group of recovering people with a big book and who were doing the weighing and measuring and different things. And I was scoffing at them. We all were. And it it just was so threatening. And I just think that's so funny that I scoffed at them whenever I didn't have anything working in my life. But I, I saw that, here's what I did. I said to my my person with me, here's what I'm going to eat. And I called the abstinent food in and I scoffed some more. And then I said to her again, and here's my next plate. And she said, okay. And then I did that three times. It was so ridiculous. I just kept getting whole new meals and she was saying, okay, because I picked people who would just say okay to whatever I did. So the, it did beat me into letting go of my pride and prejudice against what these people had. And I, I came home and ate some more meals from three days of a retreat and doing that. And I started to see this was ridiculous what I was doing. And I had to say that power is doing for them and maybe I need to let go of that pride and prejudice I have, and that's what happened to me. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. Would anyone else like to share on here? This Star is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Hi, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive reader in Virginia. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Um, Scales of pride and prejudice fell away from my eyes. I mean, I was so much like Karen um, just described, you know. I I thought I knew. I thought I knew how to work this program. I thought I knew everything and that I was terminally unique in uh, the fact that I could not get abstinent and stay abstinent. I could get abstinent, but I could not stay abstinent. Um, And then it got to the point, of course, where I couldn't even get abstinent for, you know, past an hour after I was awake in the morning. Um, So I was, you know, as much as I was brought up in a religious home and uh, believed in God, I did not believe that God would do for me what I could not do for myself. But when I, you know, like Karen, saw people who were recovering and the light in their eyes, that gave me enough willingness to put down the food. It gave me just enough willingness to say, okay, instead of but. You know, people always, and I did this for years, I would put up my hands and say, I surrender, I surrender in the room, but then when push came to shove, I picked up the food instead of picking up the program. And it wasn't until I had just enough willingness to stop doing that. And, you know, I didn't know that I was going to stay stopped. 
I didn't know that it was going to work. I didn't know if I was going to lose weight. I didn't know if I was ever going to see a goal weight. I didn't know if I was ever going to get married and have children. I didn't know if I was ever going to have financial security. I didn't know if I was going to have anything. And I stopped putting those parameters on my recovery. I stopped saying, I want to recover because I want the promises. As someone has mentioned, you know, we read the promises in our meetings like they are, you know, something you get after you are absent in a couple weeks. They're the promises that come after taking step nine. And I could not get to that point where I could, uh, you know, I just had to let go of all of my notions. Every notion I had had to be thrown out the window. And, you know, like Bill, I wanted what I saw in other people who were recovered. And if, you know, if you want what I have, you have to be willing to do what I do. And there's, you know, I didn't want to do what other people did. I was like Karen that, you know, watching people weigh and measure, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard. I thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. And why would anybody need to do that? And they're obsessed with their food plan. And I'm telling you, I'm a free woman today, and I weigh and measure my food. And I do not think about my next meal or what I'm going to buy at the grocery store that might be yummy this time of year or anything. The obsession with food is gone, and it started with willingness. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Hoodie, would you read that, please? Hi, good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, a compulsive overeater. Um, the real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. Um, Just like shaking when I'm reading this, because it's just... It really, really speaks to me how blind was I. Um, I had to, you know, and this, all these, um, you know, the pride and prejudices, always looking for comfort and and I'm looking for all the distractions in business to get myself busy, and had separated me in this relationship with God. And today. At the in all these worldly clamors, with mostly those within myself, I see that as all my self-will, all my self-determination. I had been blind to all, and um, and that I need that humble willingness to have Him with me today. And when I could call out to Him and say, "I am willing. I am willing to just let go of what I think I know, how I think I I could control my life." And um, and that willingness has to start from somewhere. And he comes and he shows himself. And um, thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Hoodie. Sylvia? This is Sylvia. 
Sylvia. Go ahead, Sylvia. Thank you so much. This is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Eater in upstate New York. I, I love all of this, and I love the shares. Um, I love the sentence, but soon the, presen- the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, most, mostly those within myself, and so it had been ever since. And I didn't know before I followed the steps and, and made these commitments and got recovery that um, those worldly clamors inside were inside myself and that they could be quiet. And I think that one of the things, it's almost like a barometer in recovery now, is that if my, if my conversation in my mind, if, if that chatter quiets, that is an amazing recovery for me. That I, you know, it's, it's easy to pause because I, I don't have six monkeys in my head anymore. So I, I can quiet down, I can pause, and, I, and then I can be directed by God. And if I don't work this program and work, this step, work the steps and do exactly what's, what's prescribed on a daily basis, you know, taking my medicine, that chatter comes right back up. And the other thing that I am not a weigh and measure person, and I love that this program is so wide and so inclusive that that I don't weigh and measure and I can have recovery. Um, and for me, it's it's very simple. I eat what's healthy and I don't overeat. I mean, so if I start to veer off and I do have more on my plate or I eat something that's, you know, a little unhealthy or something, I feel that disconnect, and I feel that chatter coming back. And so um, it's exactly what this worldly clamors, and it was inside of me. The blessing of recovery is those worldly clamors quiet down, and I can be connected to this higher power. The other thing I would like to say about all of that, what we're reading is, even from the first time when I read this, it bill is describing exactly my experience from hopeless to hopeful and i came in hope, hopeless i had hopeless down and uh what i could see is hopeful which is what he saw and would i have that of course i would i would have hopefulness and uh and with that i pass thank you for letting me share Thank you, Sylvia. Hi, this is hi, this is Sheila. May I share? Go ahead, Sheila. Good morning. This is Sheila from New York, compulsive overeater. This is awesome. That's like what years uh, how blind I have been. I think of let go and let God. I reading. I had needed and wanted God um, many times. God, please help me. Please help me. And He has. He has helped me. And I've shared that I just, I don't think I've turned my food over to him like I've turned people and situations over to him in this way. Or I turn it over and I snatch it back. I think of let go and let God because I get impatient. The worldly clamor starts, what I call the voices in my head, and all of a sudden they are louder than my God. And um, if I stay in the present, I won't hear those clamors as much. How blind I have been... um, remarkable that when I heard you read that, it's like it stirred something up in me, because as much as I think I'm open, I'm not. Um, let go and let God, I do, but I have to let go and keep it in his hands, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Sheila. Would anyone else like to comment? This is Christy. Christy, go ahead. 
Hi, good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service, and good morning, a vision for you. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, a few things are jumping out at me, of course. Um, you know, first of all, what he, you know, he's saying a number of things here, but, you know, from my own experience, I was separated from compulsive overeating from the last time, for the last time on September 9th of 2001. From September 9th of 2001, I have not found it necessary to pick up the food. And my abstinence is black and white. I haven't had sugar since September 9th of 2001. I haven't overeaten just a little bit since September 9th of 2001. I have been clean and sober since September 9th of 2001. I've been maintaining a doctor-prescribed weight within my weight range um, for over 10 years. You know, I had to lose 130 pounds, and I have maintained that weight. You know, I'm 170 pounds from my top weight. Um, you know, but the bigger part of my recovery is in my mind. And I, I love what he says here, you know, how blind I had been. And then in the previous paragraph, a new world came into view. A new world came into view for me. I was, you know, I was the type of person, I, I was blind to how I was in the world. You know, forget about, forget about how much I weighed. You know, forget about that. But how I was in the world, I was not living a life of recovery at all. I, you know, the type of employee I was um, had me in a bathroom stall eating. You know, that's the kind of employee I was. And, you know, I was the type of family member that, um, you know, got on the phone and gossiped about and, and completely bashed my parents and my other siblings to my other siblings. You know, I was always stirring up trouble and then would stand back and, you know, say it was all about them. I was not a good friend. I, you know, it was all about me and it was all about what I could get in the world. And that's how I lived. And I had no idea that that's what I was doing. And it took me getting into recovery to realize that. It took me getting into recovery and living the principles of this program every, in every aspect of my life. And I wish I could say that, you know, my mind was also healed on September 9th of 2001. That's when my journey began. That is when my journey began. Um, you know, today, today, I still, I still have my head in this big book every day, not just at this meeting, but on my own. You know, on my own. I have been working the steps as though my life depended on it since September 9th of 2001. I have grown away, grown away from finding it necessary to go back to the food. I don't look at food longingly and think, oh, sigh, I wish I could have that. I don't, that, 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 it doesn't even occur to me to eat compulsively. But, you know, it, it requires some action on my part to, to be able to grow, to have been able to grow away from the food, you know, to be able to have grown away from the food. I have to keep trudging the road of happy destiny, as it says in this book. I wish I could say it was once and done. I wish I could say it was done. I was done. You know, I, I uh, have been completely transformed, and I, I work this program on a daily basis. I call my sponsor every day. I talk to other recovered compulsive overeaters every day. I name it, claim it, and dump it uh, with whatever's going on in my life. You know, I make sure that I talk to other people about it. You know, every day I do a daily inventory, and I, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. 
because I remember what it was like to be eating in a bathroom stall. And today I, uh, I want to live a life of sane and happy usefulness. And if it can happen for someone like me, it can certainly happen for anyone out there. And with that, I'll pass. Hi, thank you, Christine. I want to thank... T- yes? Oh, go ahead. I thought, I thought there was time for more. Go ahead. Would you like to share? Sure. This is Dana, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Dallas, Texas. Um, I was just thinking that, I'll be very brief, that when I first came to program in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have like a list of 20 questions. You know, do you lose sleep from drinking? Do you have problems with relationships from drinking? Do you have uh, work problems because of drinking? And my sponsor at the time had me cross out the word drink and put the word think. Do you lose sleep due to thinking? Do you have problems with relationships due to thinking? Do you have problems at work due to thinking? Because that was really, once you're separated from the the substance, like Christy just said, the real work begins. And um, I'm just really grateful that this is a spiritual program that has you know, heal, it continues to heal my thinking. Um, and um, I'm just very grateful that it's spiritual. I also just want to make amends to the group. Yesterday I was walking when I was sharing, and, and you could hear the background and breathing, and I apologize if it was, incon- you know, if it bothered anybody or um, it, comp- you know, just uh, I can't think of the word, but if it uh, compromised the meaning in any way in the recording. And I'm just grateful for a new day. Thanks. Thank you, Dana. Thank you to everyone who shared. And I just wanted to add that um, this was December 11th, 1934 here when Bill was uh, separated from alcohol for the last time. And that was his third treatment in Towns Hospital. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and followed by the serenity prayer. And Sharon, can you read a vision for you, please? Star one to unmute, Sharon. Yeah, yes, this is Sharon. Thank you, Monica. Thank you to all. This is Sharon. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.